Well, it is my real pleasure as we have a guest speaker today. We have our dear brother and Christ Central's first homegrown missionary, Pastor David Nam, today to give us God's word. David serves with the Mission to the World organization in Taiwan, where he teaches Bible and literature at Christ College in Taipei. He's married to Susanna, and they have three beautiful children, Ethan, Owen, and Avery. They've been in Taiwan for two and a half years, and they're excited to be back at Christ Central for a home ministry assignment. They plan on returning to Taiwan in June of 2024. And by the way, yesterday was David's birthday. So I want to invite you to join with me as we uh, welcome him and wish him a happy birthday. Pastor David Nam, would you now come and share with us God's word? I'm sure you're all clapping at home. (laughs) All right. It's uh, so good to be back here at CCSC. Uh, Thank you so much for inviting me to come and share a little today uh, to preach God's word. And as Pastor Jimmy mentioned, yes, uh, my family and I, we have been in Taiwan for two and a half years now. Uh, We left Taiwan at the end of June, but we definitely plan on going back in one year. And so uh, June 2024, God willing, uh, we will be returning. Now, my family and I, uh, we left for the mission field in November 2020. Uh, This was during the first year of COVID. So everything was in lockdown, and we didn't really have a chance to see many people before we left or say goodbye to them personally. And actually, uh, recording this service today uh, reminds me a lot of our commissioning service back in uh, 2020. You know, back then, we could only have 10 people in the room, so we were figuring out how we could have our whole family there, um, have people to lay hands on us and commission us. Um, And, you know, being here today, uh, recording with a hurricane on the way, it really feels like we've come full circle. And it's actually kind of funny because we spent all that time in Taiwan and not a single typhoon hit the island during that whole time. But here we are in Southern California now and we are experiencing our very first hurricane. So, you know, you just never know what to expect, I guess. Um, But today I'm going to uh, preach from Psalm 117, uh, but I'm also here to give a missions update. So I'm gonna start with the update. I will share some pictures that Susanna prepared. Then I will talk very briefly about how you might get involved with what we're doing, if you're interested. And then we will turn to Psalm uh, 117. So first let me Uh, share some pictures, and hopefully you will get a sense of what our experiences have been as a family. All right, uh, the first picture, this is our uh, very first missionary prayer card. Okay, right here. uh, This picture was taken only four years ago. Uh, We all look so much younger, so maybe it's a time to update that. Uh, The next picture is our commissioning service. Uh, You know, so this is what it looks like. Uh, This is laying on of hands when you're doing, uh, you know, social distancing. It was very strange, but such a blessing for us to receive prayer and to be sent out by this church. Um, That 
charge and the blessing that we received really strengthened us for the work that we were doing. This next picture is our small group farewell party in Pasadena. So for us, getting to the mission field was a fairly long process. It took about 10 years from the time we were first called to the time that we reached Taiwan. And our small group was such a vital part of that. They were with us for much of that journey, beginning with my PhD program. Uh, they were there to encourage us and pray with us. And without that kind of community and fellowship, uh, we certainly couldn't have made it all the way. Uh, this next picture is from uh, when we first got to Taiwan. Uh, we arrived and then we spent the first two weeks quarantined in a hotel. Uh, thankfully, we had two rooms that were connected. And on the left, you see Owen uh, literally climbing the walls out of boredom. And then on the right, we are celebrating Thanksgiving uh, in a quarantine hotel. The next slide is the English department faculty of Christ College. This picture was taken shortly after we first arrived. Uh, there were six other missionaries and two local Taiwanese professors. Uh, but in the last two years, uh, five of the missionaries have either retired or left Taiwan. And so we are uh, really in need of new missionaries to join us in the work there. Uh, the next slide is Susanna. Uh, you can find her. And uh, she is with some students at an English major Christmas party at Christ College. And one of the amazing things about Christ College is that, you know, every student has their unique story of how God brought them specifically to Christ College. There are so many different life paths that they take. And you'll notice uh, faintly in the background, uh, there are many students joining on Zoom because they're in mainland China and they are not able, uh, since COVID began, to enter Taiwan. All right, the next slide is, uh, these are action shots of me doing ministry. Uh, I'm teaching a Bible class in one of them, reading a sermon in Chinese at our local church that we attend, and then giving a benediction. And honestly, uh, I asked Susanna not to include these pictures, but she insisted that people need to see us doing God's kingdom work. And so I assure you that we are. We are there. We're doing lots of ministry, but most of it is not stuff that you would take pictures of. Or if you do, uh, they're not very interesting, but here they are. The next slide uh, these are pictures of our kids uh, during their first week of school in Taiwan. Um, Owen is doing PE class in his classroom. And when we first got there, the school gave Ethan and Owen PE uniforms, and they gave them two sizes up from what fit them so that they could grow into them. So thankfully, our entire time there, we didn't have to buy new uniforms for them. They just wore the ones that they got on day one. Um, on the right side, this is Avery at a local preschool. Uh, she entered not knowing any Chinese, uh, but now after two years, she's fluent. Well, at least for a four-year-old, she is uh, very bilingual, and we are very thankful for that. Uh, these are pictures from, uh, the next slide, these are pictures from our family 
vacation in Elon. This was our first trip that we took inside Taiwan. Um, it's on the East Coast. And, you know, Taiwan has so much beautiful scenery everywhere. You can go anywhere on the island, and it's such a beautiful place. Uh, but everywhere you go, there are also lots of temples and shrines and idols. Uh, the lady in white in the bottom picture is a local sea goddess named Matsu. She's either riding a dragon or a boat. I'm not sure which one, but she's very important in Taiwan religion. This next picture is us. Uh, we're celebrating the Moon Festival, uh, which is a big holiday. And we're with our pastor's family from the local church that we attend. Uh, this is um, at a riverside park with a very popular night market close to where we live. And so if any of you have a chance to visit us when we're in Taiwan, uh, we would love to take you there to enjoy some of the local food. This next slide uh, is a juxtaposition. Uh, on the left, we see our church. Uh, the Lord's Prayer is in the background, projected on the wall during the children's service. And on the right side, uh, this is Avery's preschool, and it's literally right next, to, next door to our church. Uh, they share a wall. And in our preschool uh, this day, there happened to be a little altar set up outside because it was August, and August is ghost month in Taiwan. Um, and so this is what Taiwan is like. There are little pockets of Christianity, but traditional religion is just everywhere, and it's such a big part of the culture. On the next slide, we have uh, pictures of our kids uh, with each of their best friends in Taiwan. Uh, one of our biggest prayers was that, was that they would make friends at school, and God really answered that prayer, and it has made such a big difference for them and for us as a family. So on our next slide, we finally come to some familiar faces. Uh, this is the CCSC mission team that came to visit us in April. Uh, they're I think they're really, really their only ministry was to come and encourage us, and they did such a good job of that. Um, they were um, such a welcome blessing at just the right time for us as we were uh, ending our term, nearly ending our term, and about to enter uh, what was a very turbulent time in Taiwan for us. And this next picture, uh, a lot of unfamiliar faces, but uh, this is a farewell party that our church hosted for us in Taiwan a couple weeks before we left. Um, but you won't know this, but half of the people are from our church that we worship with, but the other half of the people in this picture are from the local community. Uh, we invited uh, teachers and friends from Ethan and Owen's school. Uh, we invited Ethan and Owen's tutor. Uh, she was someone who came to our home three times a week uh, to help them with, our, with their homework. Uh, we invited Avery's best friend and her family. And so there were a lot of non-Christians at this party uh, who had never been inside of a church before. And so it was a really great time for them to see what a Christian community looked like. And for us, this picture is such a, a great reminder of how God has given us a community in Taiwan. Uh, he has helped us form relationships. Um, even though um, we are not very proficient at the language just yet. 
And the last picture I want to share is uh, a picture taken here in California. This is in Pasadena on the first day of school uh, just this last week. Uh, this is the courtyard of the apartment where, be, where we'll be staying this year. Um, it's missionary housing. And so we're part of a community of missionaries who are all back in America on home assignment. And we are so thankful for this great home that God has provided for us. And we are so thankful uh, to be back um, here in California and here with you um, at CCSC. And we really are so thankful for CCSC as our sending church. Uh, we really do have it uh, so good. Um, you can uh, take the slideshow down now. Um, you know, I want to just uh, thank you all for the financial support that this church has given. It has been so generous and so helpful as we've been on the field. And we have re uh, received so much encouragement from this congregation, not just from the short-term team that came and visited us, but from so many people who have checked in with us throughout our time in Taiwan. And this fellowship and the support that we receive um, has been so important as we've been in the mission field. And I just want to share that if you want to get involved more personally with what we're doing, uh, there are several ways I want to mention today. Uh, first of all, we are always in need of people to pray for us. Uh, we need you to pray for our family and to pray for our work in Taiwan. And one of the really best things about being a missionary is that uh, you are in a situation where you really do have to depend on prayer a lot more than you have before. And it's also great that in addition to that, you have so many more people praying for you and for your family. Um, I always remind our kids that back home, there are people who are praying for you. So whenever they're having a hard time in school um, or facing other challenges, living cross-culturally, I, I always remind them of that. Second, uh, we do need some people to consider and pray about giving. Uh, this is, of course, a bigger commitment, and it's not for everyone. But if God is putting on your heart that uh, to give money toward missions. Uh, we would love to meet with you at some point uh, to talk to you about that. Uh, one of our main responsibilities while we're on home assignment for the year is to raise additional support before we go back to Taiwan. And then third, uh, this is something I'm just going to throw out there. Uh, we need someone to go. To be honest, the biggest help that you can give is to send someone to come join us in Taiwan. Now, it doesn't have to be for years and years. Uh, you know, MTW has internships that can be up to one year or even as short as one month. And so I am praying that God would send someone from CCSC to join us uh, when we're in Taiwan uh, for some period of time. Now, honestly, I don't know who that might even be, and you are probably sitting at home right now thinking that it's not you. But I invite you to please pray about it, and maybe God will surprise you. So uh, those are some ways that you can get involved. Please do pray for us uh, this year as we're here in California and in the future as we go back to Taiwan. Uh, that's it for the update. Now let me turn to Psalm 117. Um, it is... It has the distinction of being the shortest chapter in the Bible, so I will read it in its entirety. 
Uh, Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Let me pause here and pray for us as we are about to receive God's word. Uh, Father, we do thank you for your word that speaks. We thank you for this psalm. And short as it is, we ask that today it would call us into your service for the nations, that your glory and goodness might go out. Uh, we pray that you would move our hearts and that you would lead us deeper and deeper into a knowledge of your love. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so I'm a missionary, and you know missionaries come in all sorts of varieties, and mission work uh, can include all sorts of different things. But the one defining trait of a missionary is that you serve cross-culturally. Uh, you leave your home context and culture, and you go to a different context and culture to serve there. And this new context means that as a missionary, you have a new vantage point for looking at and examining all of life. This can be very challenging and disorienting as you are getting used to a new place and getting used to a new way of life. But this new vantage point also brings with it all sorts of advantages. Uh, in particular, uh, it allows you to see the Bible and the gospel and your experience of God in a new light. Familiar biblical texts take on new meaning as you experience new things. And for me, Psalm 117 is a perfect example of this kind of thing. You know, I will admit that before I became a missionary, I never paid attention to Psalm 117. You know, it's so short and it's simple, and it doesn't seem like it has very much to say at all. But now, um, as I've experienced new things, I realize that there is so much theology packed into just these two little verses. And this psalm gets at what I think is a very important question. It raises the question, who belongs to God? There are people who belong to God, and there are people who don't belong to God. This distinction, these groups, are the basis of missions. This is why Christians go out to share the gospel in the first place, because there are people who do not belong to God yet. And it's really the experience of being a missionary that has helped me see the surprising depth in Psalm 117. Now that I'm a missionary, I am also a Chinese language learner, and I will be for a very long time. And the very best thing about Psalm 117 is that it is short. You see, Psalm 117 is pretty much the only chapter in the Bible that I can read in Chinese in its entirety. I can read it and I won't make a mess of it because it's only two verses and all the words are simple. You know, I just have to confess before all of you that... Um, you know, it is my great shame as a missionary that I'm coming back from my first term in Taiwan and I'm not better at Chinese than I am. 
You know, Susanna and I have both spent time studying Chinese, but all of it has been part-time so far. It's been on the side, and it hasn't been our top priority. I've been teaching at Christ College, a Christian liberal arts college. Um, it's a bilingual school, Chinese and English, but for Susanna and me, it is very much an English language environment. Susanna has gotten involved in many different ways um, on campus. Uh, one of her main roles at the school is building a support infrastructure for students with special needs. I teach Bible classes and literature classes in English. I also lead weekly chapels for the students and devotions. Uh, these are also all in English. And then everyone around us speaks English to us. Uh, so when we go back to Taiwan in June, uh, we will step away from Christ College to do full-time language for one or two years. Uh, it's very hard once you started to put a pause on ministry because the needs are always so great. But, uh, you know, learning Chinese right now is a big part of our commitment to being in, in Taiwan for the long term. Uh, you know, learning Chinese is the only way that we are going to go deeper in forming relationships with people and deeper in our understanding of the culture. But, you know, learning Chinese is a very humbling process. Um, and you get to see just how limited you are, uh, especially when you are reduced to preaching on just two verses as a at a time, like I am doing today. And you know, before, uh, I used to overlook Psalm 117. You know, I would say, it's too short, it's too simple. Now I love it, it's so short and it's so simple and it's easy to read in Chinese if I have to. Uh, this is how being in a new context helps you notice and appreciate things in the Bible that you never would have paid attention to before. Having new experiences brings out aspects of the gospel that you simply neglect in your home culture because it's, because it's too familiar. And so this is one big benefit of going on missions, whether it's for one or two years or even just for one or two weeks for a short-term trip. Now, when we read Psalm 117, from this perspective of missions, and we will today because it is Missions Month, I think it leads us to the question, who belongs to God? Let's see how it does this. Psalm 117 is a short psalm, and it is very simple. Like all psalms, uh, it uses stock phrases. Stock phrases are those commonplace expressions that fill up a prayer. Now, most psalms manage to sprinkle in, in the midst of these stock phrases, you know, a few unique lines. Uh, many psalms have a few memorable images that, that we recognize here and there. But Psalm 117 is remarkable in that the whole thing is just a collection of stock phrases. It starts off with, praise the Lord, all nations. The phrase, praise the Lord. In Hebrew, it's simply the word, hallelujah. Now, you cannot get more generic than that when you are starting a song. And the first verse just repeats, praise the Lord, twice. It simply uses different words the second time. The second verse is three more stock phrases, phrases that you would find throughout the Psalms. Great is his steadfast love toward us. His faithfulness endures forever. 
And then it ends with another hallelujah, praise the Lord. But in this soup of unremarkable stock phrases, there is one phrase that I think gives Psalm 117 unexpected theological depth. It is the phrase, toward us, in verse 2. Who is this us that the psalmist is talking about? The psalm starts off addressing and talking to all nations and all peoples. It says, everyone, praise the Lord. But then suddenly in verse 2, it says, for great is his steadfast love toward us. So who is he talking about? Who is this us? Now, one possible reading is to say that us is just everyone. It's possible that us here includes all nations and all peoples. Of course, God loves everyone. God loves all of us. Now, it's possible to read it that way in a very inclusive way, but I think you would be missing the point. I think instead, the two verses of Psalm 117 set up a tension between us and them. There is the us, the people who belong to God, and there is them, everyone else in the world. There are all the nations out there, and there is us, the people of God. This distinction is a theme that runs throughout the whole Bible. So who is it that belongs to God? Who are the people of God. Now again, in one sense, you could say, and you would be right to say, that everyone belongs to God. To put it another way, uh, you know, God has a claim on every single human being. God is the creator of all things. And so everything and everyone uh, belongs to God. Every human being is created in God's image, and every person on earth was created to love and to glorify God, their maker. But that's not what it really means to belong to God. Yes, God has a claim on every person's life because he is the one true creator God, the maker of heaven and earth. But for you to truly belong to God God must first come and make his claim known to you, and then you must respond and acknowledge that claim in your life. And you acknowledge it by believing in the name of Jesus Christ, saying and confessing with all Christians that Jesus is Lord. Not just Lord of everything, which he is, but also Lord of me, Lord of my life. At Christ College, uh, we have a student who just graduated. He's on the autism spectrum, so he's one of the students that Susanna worked very closely with to support. When he came to Christ College as a first-year student, he was withdrawn and isolated. He wouldn't make eye contact with anyone, and he tried his hardest everywhere he went uh, not to be noticed by other people. But during his four years at Christ College, he went through a remarkable transformation. By the time he was a senior, he opened up so much. He shared about himself. 
He loved to make jokes and he loved to laugh with other people. And he graduated at the top of his class. And so at graduation, he even gave a speech in front of a large crowd. And all of this was unimaginable for people who knew him back when he first came to Christ College. In that graduation speech, he shared with everyone very plainly, he's not a Christian yet. But he also said that he can't deny that the power of God has been worked that the the power of God has been at work in his life. He sees that through his Christian teachers, through his Christian friends, the love of God has changed who he is. Everyone can see it. He can see it. His teachers and his friends can see it. Even his parents, who are not Christian, can see it. And they are so happy and grateful that there was a Christian community that was willing to care for their son in this way. This student, from what he shares, is so close to belonging to God, but he doesn't, not yet. So what does it take? This student sees that the power of God is real and it's active in his life. It has brought about good change. He admits that God has a claim on him, And now he just has to acknowledge it. He has to put his faith in Jesus and say, yes, my life does belong to you and I will live it for you. No one can belong to God without the power of Jesus at work in their life. You know, before Jesus comes into our lives, sometimes we're not even aware that we are separated from God. We don't suspect that our souls are in jeopardy. We can't imagine that the mess we've made of our lives, the ruin that we are slowly headed towards, or you know, all the pain that we inflict on ourselves and the people around us, we don't imagine that all of this is caused by sin, that all of this is rooted in the fact that we are estranged from God, that we daily violate his will and his purpose for our lives. But then Jesus comes and he shows us the way back to the Father and he reconciles us to God through his death and resurrection. And in reconciling us to God, he makes us into the people of God. Running throughout the Bible, there is this distinction between the us and the them, the nations and the people who belong to God. In the Old Testament, the people of God are the Israelites. They are the, uh, the, the descendants of Abraham. But now, the people of God includes everyone who calls on Jesus as Lord and Savior. You cannot understand the Bible without this us-them distinction and see how it has developed through the Bible's story. But we need to be aware that the world... The world we live in is not always happy when Christians make this kind of distinction between us and them. You know, some people feel like it's offensive when Christians talk about us and them. And honestly, sometimes they are right, right? Sometimes Christians, when we talk about non-Christians, we are more obnoxious and arrogant than we have any right to be. You know, Christians should keep in mind that 
this boundary that we're talking about between Christians and non-Christians, it is porous and it is permeable. This boundary is meant to be crossed and people cross it all the time. You know, uh, we should remember that in fact, all Christians start out on the other side of this boundary. We all started life on the outside looking in and so therefore, we should never condemn people just because they're outside of God's people. Instead, we should work tirelessly to invite them in as much as we can. You know, other people look at this us-them distinction and they simply feel like it is meaningless, that it's not real, that it doesn't speak to anything substantial. They look at Christians and they don't see how Christians are different from anyone else. You know, in Taiwan, uh, Taiwan is a very religious country. Less than 5% of its people are Christian, but 70% of the people practice some form of traditional religion. Now, there are some people who are devout Buddhists. There are some people who identify as Taoist. But for the most part, Taiwanese people just mix and match a little of this and a little of that. Uh, they want to cover all of their bases and... You know, in this kind of religious environment where you're taking from here and there, they're very happy to see Christianity as just one more option. Christians are just like everyone else as far as they can tell. And this is why we get so many non-Christian parents who are happy to send their children to Christ College, a Christian school. As far as they are concerned, we're all just trying to do the same thing. And what is that same thing? Well, uh, that same thing that we're all after, it's called blessing. For Missions Month, um, I noticed that Lloyd Kim, the director of Mission to the World, our mission agency, uh, was here at CCSC a couple weeks ago. And in his sermon, he mentioned how, in his experience, it seems like Christians and non-Christians all basically want the same thing. And he listed it as good job, good house, and good family. These are things that we call blessings. These are things that everyone wants in life for the most part. But when we think about that, there must be something more, right? There has to be, and there is. There is a blessing beyond all these things that the world offers that is reserved only for those who know Jesus and walk with him. This blessing is the love and faithfulness of God. And you experience God's love and faithfulness only when you are walking with him and living with him. It's only when you are trusting God with your life and depending on him for the things that matter most to you. It's only when you are obeying God and answering his calling in your life. That is when you will truly know and experience God's love in your life and in your heart, that's when you will realize that these blessings are worth far more than all the other things that the world chases after. That knowing God and being in a relationship with him is really the highest and best goal. In Psalm 117, verse 2, we find love and faithfulness paired together, just like they are paired together in countless psalms. 
Because when you are talking about what God is like, there are two things you must mention, love and faithfulness. These are the most important qualities in the Bible. But these are qualities that shine most brightly in times of darkness. It is in the difficult times that God's love will matter most to you. It is in the hard times when you will realize the true value of God's faithfulness and care. If I had to summarize my time in Taiwan, uh, I would say that the first two and a half years overall were golden, right? There were ups and downs, but uh, for the most part, it was a wonderful time for me and for my family. But the last two months that we were there were extremely stressful. Uh, back in May, uh, the board of directors of Christ College and the president announced a plan to effectively close the school as it currently exists and reboot it into something that was still unknown and undetermined. Now, they did not know at the time what Christ College would become, uh, but, the, but the leaders, they felt like the school could not continue what it had been doing for the last 60 years. And so this plan to close the school, it involved relinquishing the school's accreditation with the Ministry of Education. Uh, it would involve letting go of all the faculty and staff, and then they would have all the students transfer to other colleges in Taiwan. And the board wanted all of this to happen this summer, and then they said they would form a task force to figure out how to do Christian education in a new way. Well, you can imagine that this announcement was not very well received. There was a lot of opposition. The board and the president were on one side, and then the faculty, the students, and the alumni were all united on the other side. And so this conflict made our last couple months in Taiwan very stressful. Uh, the board's announcement came just three weeks before the end of the semester as students were preparing for their final exams. Susanna was busy packing. I was finishing my teaching. And we were both getting pulled into, you know, all of these endless discussions about the future of Christ College. Everyone was talking about what would happen. And, you know, even in Taiwan's Christian media, for a good month, Christ College was the number one topic. So it was a very hard time for us to leave Taiwan. And as we left, we had no certainty about what would happen to Christ College, what would be left of it when we came back. And it was very hard to leave the students who felt genuinely betrayed by the school. They were left hanging. And it was very hard to leave colleagues who needed us. They needed our help and our support during this crisis. But since we've left Taiwan a couple months ago now, it has been so amazing to see how God has been faithful and at work, even in this situation. A few weeks after we left, when we were in America, uh, we heard that the board and the president were preparing to resign, that they were giving up on their plan. And we remembered that at our very last team prayer meeting before we left, this had literally been our prayer. We asked God to change their hearts and lead them to resign. And then 
Amazingly, by an act of God, they did. And looking back on these last few months, uh, in hindsight now, we can see that God has really brought about a lot of good things through these difficult times. Christ College has emerged from this crisis with new leadership, and the alumni are more engaged than ever. And so even though there are still challenges that lie ahead, there is now at least clear vision to move forward together. And all last school year, uh, there had been signs of spiritual revival among the students, little signs, glimpses that we would see. But in the last month, when it seemed like Christ College was closing, we saw the students gathering for prayer every single week. Um, they would cry out and pour out their hearts to God. Um, and we had never seen them pray like this before. And for me personally, uh, going through this crisis, uh, it, it brought a lot of clarity for me about the value of the work that I had done at Christ College. Because if the goal and the vision of the school is to form students in Christian faith, then I had to say, clearly the school is succeeding in its mission. We have seen so much fruit from the ministry that we've done among the students there. The love and faithfulness of God are seen most clearly when we walk with Jesus through difficult times like these. And it's in difficult situations that God's love and faithfulness are seen most clearly by us, the people of God, but it's also when it will be seen most clearly by the nations, by the non-Christians who are watching us. They will see God's love and faithfulness when they see us experiencing those blessings through difficult situations. In Psalm 117, verse 1 calls the nations to come and worship God. Verse 2 explains why they should. It gives a reason. It says, For great is his steadfast love for us, and his faithfulness endures forever. But how will the world know about the love and faithfulness of God when they are not experiencing it for themselves in their own lives. It's when they see it in our lives. When they see Christians following Jesus and living for him, when they see Christians enduring hardship, making sacrifices, doing it joyfully and in trust and with hope, when they see that, they will see that Christians have a blessing that goes far beyond what the world offers. In Taiwan, I have the privilege of seeing Christians who are truly living for Jesus. At Christ College, uh, the missionary teachers like me serve alongside Taiwanese professors. And let me tell you, these Taiwanese professors, they have answered God's call to serve at Christ College. They have it very hard. They work so many hours they teach full-time, and they serve in administrative roles, which means that they have to sit through these endless administrative meetings every single week. As professors, they have given up academic success and advancement. They have sacrificed promotions and better salaries, and they serve in very difficult conditions, all because they love God and they want to share that love with our students. At Christ College, we also have a large number of students who are in mainland China. 
And since the start of COVID, they have not even been able to enter Taiwan and, and attend Christ College in person. So they're stuck uh, doing college online. But these students have given so much to follow Jesus. And for them, getting a Christian education, being grounded in God's word, means so much to them. They, they value that dearly, and they're willing to trade so much to receive that. And sometimes I look at the sacrifices my students and my colleagues have made, and I honestly wonder if I would be able to make the same kind of sacrifices for Jesus. And honestly, I don't know, because I've never had to. I've never had to sacrifice as much as they have. I'm sure some of you look at me, a missionary, and you feel the same way. But you know, for me, I don't really feel that way. I don't see my life as one of remarkable sacrifice or remarkable suffering. I'm simply here living for Jesus. I have acknowledged God's claim on my life just as all of you have. I've answered his call and I followed him where he leads me, and that happens to be to Taiwan. Now, sometimes that has been hard, but mostly it has been wonderful. And through it all, I've experienced God's love and faithfulness more deeply than I ever have before. So what is better than that? And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, there is nothing better, because this is God's special blessing for us, his people, that we would know his love and his faithfulness toward us. Friends, you are people who belong to God. Each of you has a calling to follow Jesus and live for him. And for each of you, it looks very different. But whatever it looks like for you, you need to live it out so that the world around you can see it. And when they see you following Jesus and living for him, then they will see that the love and faithfulness of God are real in your life. And then they will be called to join us in worshiping the one true God. And it is our hope, our prayer, and our mission to make this happen together. Uh, please join me in prayer. Father, we do... Thank you for the blessings that you pour out in our lives every single day in big ways and small. And most of all, we thank you for the love and faithfulness that are ours in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And we pray that you would lead each one of us to more deeply experience that love and faithfulness in our lives as we continue to walk with you. Show us your goodness every day. And we pray that it would manifest itself in ways that the world will see and take notice, that they would be drawn into our community, into your people, that they might join us in worshiping you. In Jesus' name, amen.